Hey there, I'm Osman Faruqi and welcome to The Culture, a weekly show from Schwartz Media where we take a deep dive into the latest in the world of music, streaming, TV, film, everything in arts and entertainment. This week on the show, we're going to be looking at the world of professional wrestling. But not just any kind of wrestling. The incredible, spectacular, violent and pretty transgressive space that is hardcore wrestling. And we're looking at the scene right here in Australia. Now, when I mention wrestling, you're probably immediately thinking of the WWE. You know, these big names like The Rock. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. John Cena. Stone Cold Steve Austin. The kinds of names that I knew about when I was growing up when wrestling was on cable. I didn't have cable as a kid, so I could only watch it when I went over to a rich friend's house. But I remember playing the wrestling games on PlayStation where you would you know, pick up a chair and whack someone over the head with in a wrestling ring or kind of climb up over the cage. But it turns out wrestling is much bigger and more interesting than what I saw on TV as a kid. This episode is about a very different kind of wrestling. It's about an independent wrestling scene here in Australia that combines sport with theatre and progressive politics. Specifically, we're going to be looking at one particular promotion, Deathmatch Down Under. When I first heard about it, it actually reminded me of bits of the independent music scene. You know, there was this commitment to empowering marginalised voices, to trans rights, to Indigenous allyship. It was a really different idea of wrestling to the one that I had growing up. Imagine WWE meets punk rock. And so I actually went along and saw one of these hardcore wrestling matches in Melbourne, and I was absolutely fascinated by the kinds of people that go and see them, the kinds of people that participate in them, that actually do this. Joining me on this episode of The Culture to talk about exactly what hardcore wrestling is and why a new particular promotion, particular event in Melbourne is shaking things up in the scene, is writer, contributor to The Monthly, and the author of a new book called Everything Harder Than Everyone Else is Jenny Valentish. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me on The Culture today. Thanks, mate. Uh, The last time I saw you, we were in a basement in the north of Melbourne CBD. Mm. There was a pretty big crowd surrounding this wrestling ring. It Mm. was a raised platform with ropes on all four sides. Wrestlers were clambering into the ring as people were cheering them on. It's definitely like, it feels like a real wrestling thing, you know. There's like a, there's a ring, (laughs) there's lights. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, I was watching a group of men clobber each other with cricket balls, bats. One bat had thumbtacks in it. I mean, you're forgetting, for instance, the the bats with cactus strapped to them and the bats with um, triple cheese graters. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not play it down. (laughs) 
I think, yeah, it, it's, I'm sort of struggling to really explain this, I think, because it is so visceral and it is so not what I expected. You know, I guess my own involvement with this kind of professional wrestling is pretty limited. I grew up knowing a little bit about WWE or WWF as it was known before as well. And then the idea that something like this would be happening in Melbourne was quite shocking and new to me. And then seeing it and seeing the crowds there and seeing all these characters with their outfits and backstories and actually kind of clobbering each other was something that was, uh, yeah, it was new. I found it quite exhilarating and invigorating. Get him with the bat! Get him with the bat! How did, how did you feel about how, the way I was getting into it? You totally wanted your own pair of underpants with your name on them. <laughs> that was a very cool little highlight, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, thought, I felt that you were really getting into the spirit of things. You know, I told you you should heckle and you, and you did and the voice suffered, my voice suffered. You high-fived Richie fucking Taylor, his, uh, to give him his full name. Um, yeah, people were very excited when I posted it on my Instagram. People <laughs> were like, oh, my God, never washed that hand. They were excited because you were excited. Right, right, you okay. could read it's palpable on your face. <laughs> <laughs> and you do, you know, you, you get caught up in that. Okay, I guess we've been talking about the exhilaration that I felt, but maybe it makes sense to take a step back for a moment because I think a lot of people listening to this might still be surprised to learn that there is actually wrestling happening in Australia right now in basements in the CBD. But it's not new, is it? Mm. This is not the first time it's happened in Australia. I understand that there were wrestling events happening in the 70s and it even used to be on TV. Baker. Baker goes over towards the blue corner and Kevin Martin with lefts and rights and there's a worried look of J.J. Dillon. Ox Baker slammed by Martin, 320 pound of it. But that was obviously a long time ago and things have changed a lot since then. So what's the scene like now and how does Deathmatch Down Under fit into it? In recent years, there's been a real kind of new wave of interest in in wrestling, sort of indie pro wrestling. So it's kind of reaching a new audience because it used to be always um, events that were right out in the burbs, sometimes, you know, like in a Chinese restaurant or in some kind of working men's club or something like that. Um, So it's coming to the city now. And there's also a kind of subgenre, which is called deathmatch, which isn't as common Uh, And that's where you're using all kinds of weapons, basically, um, to inflict consensual violence on each other. Uh, So you might get things like, they were really inventive when we saw them, but you might get Mm. things like trestle tables, um, folding chairs, staple guns, you know, all sorts of things with the idea that the, the canvas is going to end up completely splattered in blood and glass. Fluoro light tubes, another great one, because they make an amazing smashing mm. noise. Um, so it's this uh, quite chaotic subgenre of wrestling. And Deathmatch Down Under is really bringing it to the forefront. So if you go to one of their shows, it's not all Deathmatch, but they'll have way more than you might expect from any other promotion. Mm. And what was your first sort of entree into the world? How did you discover this kind of um, performance and, and what attracted you to it? I was editing Time Out, Melbourne, 
And I went along to Melbourne City Wrestling's like practice sessions, if you like, and to interview them. And then, of course, I said, can I have a go? Because <laughs> we were there in the ring. And they did a few moves on me where I just they told me how to land and I was flipping through the air and I thought, I've come home. I love this. <laughs> so I basically talked myself into joining their quite nascent academy, right? It's quite a slick academy mm. they've got now. This was quite a few years ago, um, probably about 2012. And um, it was incredible. It was just like flying through the air, um, r- bouncing off the ropes, learning all these moves. And I loved it. But at the same time, I was like, I was 37 at the time. Mm. And then I started to slowly realize that the the group of rookies, fellow rookies that I was wrestling were about 18, like we'd be talking in these closed Facebook groups and they'd be talking about, you know, working at Coles and their, their high school formal and it just started to seem really kind of weird and inappropriate, yeah. you know, being thrown around through the air. Yeah, I, I was thinking, they're probably thinking, oh God, here comes grandma. And <laughs> <laughs> I came running at them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I basically stepped aside because at the time there were very few resources. Like I say, it's quite mm. a recent resurgence of interest in wrestling. When you say recent, like how are you talking about a couple of years or? More I'd than say that? about the last five to seven years. Um, do you remember Thousand Pound Bend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they used to put wrestling on there a lot. I think it was MCW. The cafe in the city. Yeah. Yeah, right. Moondog Brewery puts yeah. it on. So yeah, a whole new audience. And so they've now got quite slick academies that are really professional. Mm. Um, but at the time, this was where I was doing it. It was like a ring in somebody's backyard in sunshine. Mm. I shouldn't say somebody. It's George the Hitman Julio. Absolutely shouldn't say somebody. Yeah, we need you, to hear these you names. You know who I mean, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the Hitman. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a very quick break and be right back. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloan Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest, Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I think, you know, people think about professional wrestling. They think about WWE. WWE Network is proud to present the entertainment spectacular of the year, WrestleMania. They might think about Glow, the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. What's this? It looks like Zoya's turning on her partner. She is. She's hammerlocking her. And now it's Russia versus China. The Sino Soviet split is alive and well here in California. Ready? Ready. I guess what I found so interesting about Deathmatch was that when it started, 
it seemed like what I expected wrestling to be. It was a two separate wrestlers they were coming onto the into the ring and there was you know music playing of heavy metal music or hectic rock music in some cases like pop punk rage against the machine that sort of stuff they had their outfits on they'd enter the ring and they kind of wrestle and go for it and throw each other around and so that was how i guess the first couple of hours played out and it was familiar even though it was different to see in real life. It was very exciting. And then the deathmatch component kicks off. There's, there's, there's six people in the ring. There's just covering each other. There's Everyone's wearing white. They're covered in blood. There's bits of broken cactus on the ring. There's cricket bats. There's a sign that says, how's that, in green and gold. There's thumbtacks strewn all over it. That, as you said, involves items. It involves props. I saw a guitar being smashed on someone's head. I saw I saw a lot of blood. And there's a significant amount of blood, which I understand is, is real blood. <laughs> it's all very shocking. And I think my initial reaction was like, oh, I don't, should I be, is this right? I don't know here. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, everyone's into it. And then I started screaming for blood and I don't know how I feel about that yet. But mm. I wonder if you're able to talk me through the appeal of that particular, from both the perspective of the wrestler and I guess the fan, what what do you think is motivating the desire to add that sort of deathmatch component into this? From the fans' point of view, it's just letting off steam, isn't it? I mean, it's it's like shouting at the UFC or the boxing or something. You're given permission to feel aggression, um, but it's also really funny because it's like slapstick. It's like Tom and Jerry. Yeah, totally. You know, the sort of weapons they're using on each other. You could have totally imagine, or or you know, itchy and scratchy. More like, yeah, yeah, very itch and scratch. It's and it, and it does seem like a lot of thought is put into like this needs to be sort of action packed, but also absurd. So let's get a cricket ball and yeah, a yeah. cricket bat with the a more cactus the attached better. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a spectacle. Mm. You know, you're supposed mm. to laugh as well as like thrill over the claret being spilt everywhere. Mm. Mm. From the wrestlers' point of view, uh, I can't speak for all of them, but I did interview Alex Mann, aka Crackerjack for a chapter for my book and the chapter's called Art, The Art of Suffering so we specifically talked about Deathmatch being this real outlet for him that he absolutely needs and like so when, he had to um, briefly retire because he had a, a brain injury from wrestling? from being yeah hit over wow. the head with a DVD player <laughs> So I shouldn't laugh. It's very serious, but it's also... I'm only laughing because you laugh. ...slightly absurd, yeah. <laughs> um, so then he couldn't wrestle for a few years. And where does that energy go, you know? Like, to, to get into a ring and be allowed to stomp up and down and scream and yell at the audience and yell at your opponent and smash things, if that's suddenly taken away, that's a problem. Hmm. There's an element of letting off steam, but also almost an element of self-harm. I can't say that's true for everyone, but... It is literally self-harm because even though somebody else, your opponent, is attacking you, you know what they're going to do. You mm. might have even provided them with a weapon. Mm. So it's, it's really interesting. So some people are stepping into the ring to be performers, to show off, to demonstrate, you know, their ability. But you think, or some of the people that you speak to, uh, for them, it's also knowingly entering a situation where they will be harmed and they're into that. Mm. And so the, the death match that we watched were... Oh, I can't remember how many people were in the ring, but it was a lot. Six, maybe. There was six, it was six and out. I think they called. Yeah, it. It yeah. So, I mean, that was quite 
chaotic. It's like, where do I look next? Yeah. But some of them are two people and it's more of a, a slug fest. Like if you watch it, it's not as kind of comedic. It's like a, a, almost like a battle to the death, mm. you know, and in that kind of context, you think, wow, this is this is some kind of form of self-harm. This is like watching two people get flogged, you know, mm. whipped or something where it's just really quite heavy going. But I, th- I should say, you know, even though there is a lot of choreography involved, I think wrestling is far more dangerous than, you know, like any any combat sport because the the likelihood or the possibility of something going wrong or you know, flying through the air and not being caught by four guys mm. waiting outside mm. the ring is just huge. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to explore some of the social issues that have changed and are transforming the wrestling scene in Australia. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday paper. No hot takes. So, Jenny, you wrote about Deathmatch Down Under for The Monthly magazine recently. And in that piece, you mentioned that an important part of how this particular kind of event, Deathmatch Down Under, how it came to be, it it was a response from the wrestling community to what you described as wrestling's Me Too moment. Mm. The hashtag speaking out is trending and there are dozens and dozens of women And men, too, telling stories of abuse in the wrestling business. Can you tell me a bit more about that? What exactly was that moment in wrestling about? And what was going on? And and how is this a response to it? It was a problem across the globe. There was a sort of universal speaking out moment, Mm. which, of course, then also had an impact here. Some of the Australian promotions kind of put out statements that you know, we've been made aware of uh, and then not getting too specific. Mm. And this is how we intend to tackle things in future and we're going to take a very, you know, the kind of statements. And so was that, was that sort of in response to crowd behaviour or with or problems within, as in like some of the wrestlers themselves being accused of? Yeah, some of the wrestlers or people who are even training wrestlers. Right. A torrent of other allegations against wrestlers, promoters, graphic designers, trainers, camera people, writers and more swept over Twitter. From local independent promotions in the UK, Australia, Germany, Canada, the US and more. For some. So, you know, you might get people sort of outed on Twitter or social media. And then uh, the companies that employed those people or worked with those people were responding hastily, but probably had known about this for years. So Mm. it was a little bit, hmm. I guess it reached, like in so many industries, right, around that time, it was people that I feel like lots of people knew were bad people, Mm. but it needed a certain kind of critical mass, I guess, before organisers took action. Same as any other industry. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was worse by any means. And so since then, you know, that seems to have been something that's influenced policies or approaches to try and make things feel as safe and comfortable as possible. 
Now, the, the funny thing is, um, you know, wrestling's still quite a last bastion of a, a bit of a, being a bit of a feral sport, mm. if you like, a bit lawless. Mm. So Deathmatch Down Under are quite unusual in that they have decided that they're going to be a very progressive company. They're a kind of a step ahead of the curve, if you like, because wrestling was having its own Me Too moment. Hashtag speaking out. And it was at the point that Deathmatch Down Under was deciding to start as a company. So they uh, basically have got a mission statement, you know, of dobbing a dickhead at our shows and we're going we're gonna, to um, use gender pronouns when we're talking about our wrestlers and uh, we're going to be talking about consent and everyone's got to have blood tests, which mm. I think is, mm. has never even been done mm. before, bizarrely. So they're, they're really uh, trying to make it a very safe, inclusive environment. Uh, as you as you'll have seen, there are loads of intergender matches mm. when we went, loads more than you would normally get. Um, so they're, it's it's strange that they're they're the company to be doing all this, yet they are this kind of company which is putting on these ultra violent mm. matches. It's quite a, di- a dichotomy. Yeah, I think that is something that really stood out to me. And you, you you kind of mentioned a bunch of things that I want to explore in more detail. But how have the wrestling community responded to kind of more progressive institutions? like Deathmatch Down Under. When I spoke to Joel Bateman, who who is one of the main team members behind Deathmatch Down Under. Testing, good levels. Yeah. Uh, my name is Joel Bateman. I'm a What Jubba Luck man from Melbourne, Australia. I've been a professional wrestler since 2003, and I'm one of the very, very silly people who run Deathmatch Down Under. He said, I mean, the thing about making things safer and more inclusive is... It makes it safer and more inclusive for everyone. We were, we, when we, we lay out the brief for DMDU, we went, we're going to do something so different and so brash and so, you know, violent and live action. We need it to be a safe space, not just for the performers, by like making sure that everyone who was on the show tonight has got a clean blood test and we've got medics uh, out the back and we've got St. John's on standby and stuff like that, but making sure it's a safe space for the fans by things like the acknowledgement of country, normalising intergender wrestling. I didn't realize and it's less likely that you are going to get accused of something if you are in this safe, inclusive environment, mm. apart mm. from anything else. I have a heightened sense of responsibility. I created this space so I can do the pro wrestling that I want to do, that I've always wanted to do, but then, no, very, I'm more self-aware of the consequences of the style of pro wrestling that I want to do because I know it's not for everybody. Um, haven't had any complaints yet, which is great, but it's my job as a performer to push the envelope, but then as the promoter to know where that envelope's going to go. So it, it's balancing on a razor blade to try and make sure I get it right. And I don't get it right every time. Not all of us do, but uh, it's a thrill like nothing I've ever experienced in almost two decades of wrestling. Uh, I still love it. So, Deathmatch Down Under, by, by Joel Bateman's admission to me when I interviewed him, they came along at the right possible time. They were like, right, we can actually... We don't have to change anything. Like we can build this into our framework right from the beginning, which makes it so much easier for us. You know, we don't have to like double back and apologize for things or say, oh, we'll change that. We'll change that. They could just do it right from the start. So, yeah, I mean, we don't expect great things from the AFL when they they promise they're going to make changes and do this and that. Mm. But this is a completely different feel right off the bat. Mm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, do you see the sport in your, I mean, is it, is it right to call it the sport? What's the right way to... Mm. So, I mean, WWE is called sports entertainment. I mean, it's kind of like theatre, sport, pantomime, yeah. entertainment. And you, as you'll have seen, there's a, there's a huge chasm when it comes to talent. Like sometimes it will be a bit hit and miss mm. and then you'll see this really excellent technical wrestling. Mm. 
So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to classify, isn't it? It's just a bloody great night out. <laughs> well, no, I think it absolutely is. And I think one of the things that I think really struck me about going there as we were waiting outside to go in and watching some audience members come through. And to be honest, it, it was kind of like who I imagined would be there, right? Like kind of very blokey guys, often with like long hair and beards. And when I made it into the arena and, and watched the crowd, I was sort of struck by how diverse it was in so many different ways and age and genders and uh, people from different cultural backgrounds. And there was a a real community atmosphere. I think people, you know, they would meet at these kinds of events and they would look after each other and and catch up with one another. And I found the whole event to be really inclusive, Mm. you know, and it speaks more to my naivety and perhaps the, the false stereotypes I had about this community. But I wonder from your perspective, Jenny, how deliberate is that culture that's been created, particularly at this deathmatch event? You know, there always have been trans wrestlers and queer wrestlers and loads of women, but perhaps they weren't, I don't know, as well looked after or uh, acknowledged. Hmm. So, um, I mean, I know deathmatch down under are definitely being very careful that whatever show they put on and probably even whatever fight within match within that show they put on is ticking loads of boxes. It, it always had a diverse audience and it always had a diverse bunch of people who are actually wanting to become wrestlers. So it's weird. It's, it's um, like I said, it is kind of a last bastion of a sport where it's quite lawless, but it has always had that kind of, I guess, because it's a little bit geeky. Mm. Mm. You know, like if you're if you're into wrestling or you are a wrestler, you probably collect loads of f- figurines totally. and you know, I don't know, maybe you grew up with Dungeons and Dragons. So yeah, no disrespect, but a lot of nerds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it is quite inclusive in that respect. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you, Jenny, is as I said at the start, when the uh, wrestlers go out onto the ring, they've got a song that plays for them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've thought what your song would be. <laughs> oh dear, have I? I mean, I thought straight away it would be um, Power by Kanye West. I feel like the ah. Deathmatch in general needs some more hip-hop, and that is a great Yeah. Anthem. I also am desperate to try and get a Kanye reference into every episode of this show. <laughs> okay, so, done. So. Jenny, thank you so much for talking to me today for the culture. Thanks, Oz. Thanks for coming. That was great. I uh, can't wait to do it again. Thanks for listening to the show. The Culture will be back in your feeds next week, as usual. And if you've missed our previous episodes, go and check them out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Culture is a weekly show from Schwartz Media. It's produced by Bez Zodair and Atticus Basto. Our editor-in-chief is Eric Jensen, and our theme music is by Hermitude. I'm Osman Faruqi. See you next week. Mm-hmm.